This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Greetings to everyone joining us for a new episode of the European Hoops podcast. We cover the EuroLeague and the top FIBA events. I am André and with me, our basketball expert, Diogo Valente. Hi André, hi guys. Hope everything is okay with y'all. We are here for another episode of the European Hoops podcast. Hopefully you guys stay with us and tune in for the rest of our episodes. André, let us know, man. What are we talking about today? Today we bring you exciting news regarding the European Hoops podcast. We will have several improvements and innovations in our schedule starting from January. Stay tuned. We won't uh, unveil everything right away, but uh, the podcast will continue to grow. We will bring you more and better content. So stick with us. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Titus EuroLeague. This has been a very enjoyable ride for us. And uh, thank you for being with us. To, to our followers and listeners that are with us since the beginning, to the ones that have been joining us. We will continue to grow. We will bring you more and better content. We will do our best to keep it always free. That's our goal with this podcast. Make sure to share the podcast with a friend. That's the way you can help us to grow and the way you can help us to continue with the podcast and to keep it free for you guys. We will start with our recap of of our of the previous round of the EuroLeague, the round 11. We start with the game between Fenerbahce and Real Madrid. And we will also be recapping the game, the delayed game from round 6 between Real Madrid and Maccabi later during this episode after we go over both games from Real Madrid and uh, Fenerbahce. This game between Fenerbahce and Real Madrid, it was a high-level game. Fenerbahce was able to win 100-99 after overtime. The they needed a 28 to 24th quarter to be able to take this game to overtime. It was a game where Marco Guduric was the game MVP. He was the best player for the winning team. He ended the game with 21 points, while Fankudu Kapadzu once again shined and had a very, very high level game. He ended the game with 32 PR, uh, with uh, 33 points and uh, seven assists. He was once again incredible and he has been performing as one of the best EuroLeague players so far. He was the perfect complement for the champions. The champions are playing as a team that added the player that they needed and uh, they are just uh, shining and uh, playing at an extremely high level. But in this game, it uh, took an overtime and it took Fenerbahce to score 100 points for Real Madrid to finally lose their first game on this edition of the EuroLeague. Yeah, I mean, we talk about how how teams have to try to outscore Real Madrid just because they have so much talent and Fenerbahce shot the ball at such a high clip and they did a great job guarding the three. So that's what got them the win over Real Madrid. Um, even though Campazzo exploded for 33 points, uh, that might have actually benefited Fenerbahce because it meant that other guys didn't really get into rhythm and it meant Campazzo wasn't really facilitating for them. He was just getting the opportunities to score himself. And uh, I think Fenerbahce's mindset was like, okay, 
uh, we will make Campazzo beat us, but we're not going to let anybody else uh, explode against us. And it worked. I mean, they, they were able to force overtime with Scotty Wilbekin sending it to overtime. And then that turnover by Campazzo at the end. I mean, I, I was definitely not expecting that from him because obviously he's one of the highest IQ players in, in the competition. Uh, but it's like, what, four seconds left when he when he threw the ball. Just throw it down the court. Like, I, I was expecting a high IQ play from him there because he's one of the smartest players in the competition. And I think that was a a big mistake that, that he shouldn't have taken, but uh, it's part of it. I mean, he had a great game. Maybe if it wasn't for him, uh, Real Madrid wouldn't even be in a position to win the game. So we got to... We got to allow that to him, but it was a great game regardless. I mean, the crowd was incredible, and especially when they when Yambadar made that shot. So this is a great win for Fenerbahce. Maybe it can help turn around their season. And for Real Madrid, I mean, in my opinion, it's no big deal because they're still ten and one or nine and one, uh, ten and one. So they're still the best team in the competition, and they will keep being that until the end. So it was a great game for sure. It was a great game. There is no doubt of that. But uh, you mentioned Campazzo and you mentioned how important he was for this game, despite his decision in the end of the game that might have cost Real Madrid the game. But we know in these situations, also if it wasn't for his performance, maybe Real Madrid wouldn't be in the situation in the end. So a game is not judged by a moment. But I want to talk about the, the MVP race and I want to, to talk with you about who is leading this race. We spoke many times about uh, the MVP race. We spoke how Mike James was the clear leader. At the moment, to our Toko MVP, Cengelia, is uh, the leader in the PR. And uh, I have these two players that, for me, are the key players that I want to bring up and ask you between Facundo Campazzo and uh, Mike James, that in terms of PR, they are basically tied in the standings. Which one for you? is the, the MVP of the, the EuroLeague so far? Uh, I would definitely have Mike James. Uh, and this is no knock on Campazzo. I think he's having an amazing season. And he has been the best player for Real Madrid, who, who is the best team. But uh, I do think Real Madrid has so many guys who have such important roles in there, like Walter Tavares. We know his impact is insane, especially defensively. Then they have guys like Musa, Ezonia, Yabuzele. I mean, they just have so many players who can contribute on every, any given night. And even though Campazzo is constantly the best player, he just has so much help that uh, I think Mike has a, a more uh, has a bigger impact on, on Monaco. And I think he's been the best player in the competition this season. We know that the games between Monaco and Olympiacos are always close games. And uh, the, this one and the next one, game that we will be recapping is not exception for that. Monaco won at home 85-77. to 77. In the end, Maccabi just didn't have enough firepower to, to be able to compete with a Monaco team that once again was led by Mike James, that was the MVP of this game. He ended the game scoring 24 points and he added six assists to his personal count. Isaiah Cannon was the top performer for Olympiacos and he had himself 20 points, but that wasn't enough. And Monaco, in the end, was able to, to get this win that gets them to the third place. We expected them to be at the top of the standings and they are slowly but surely climbing and they are they rank in third place. They are two wins behind Barcelona and they are tied for third with Virtus that uh, lost and we will get to, to their game later on this episode. We know that these games are always competitive. This one wasn't uh, exception to it. 
how did Mike James do against uh, Thomas Walkup on this matchup that we know it will always be be hard? Well, first of all, Mike had a, a tough matchup because he had Thomas Walkup on him, and we know how good of a defender Thomas Walkup is. Uh, but I think Mike started the game doing a great job finding guys open shots. And, and then at times uh, they ran a, a Spain action on the pick and roll uh, for Mike to get rid of Walkup. And every time Mike didn't have Thomas Walkup on him, he just went straight attack mode. And I think that was very important for, for Monaco and for Mike James uh, to have a good game because those were his opportunities to impact the game scoring wise. Because with Walkup, it would be much harder. So I think they did a good job to, to get Walkup off of him. Uh, in parts so that he could really get into a rhythm and not only be facilitating but also scoring the ball which we know he is a dual threat so that's what they needed from him uh, I believe Olympiacos should have done a, a better job uh, on the offensive end to force Mike James to play defense because Mike was just standing in a quarter uh, guarding Papa Nicolau and uh, I think they should have involved him more on, on pick and rolls This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer and try to, to explore some switches and some mismatches because you need to force a guy like Mike, who is so good offensively, you got to make him play defense. Like, you, you got to get him tired. Otherwise, he's just going to torture you on the, on the other side. And uh, for Olympiacos offensively, other than Isaiah Cannon in the first half, they, they didn't really have nothing else going. Um, Alec Peters uh, stepped up in the second half and had a very good second half, but it just wasn't enough. I mean, it's a great win by Monaco. Uh, Olympiacos had way too many turnovers. They got dominated on the glass despite being the bigger team and they couldn't get Monaco away from the free throw line. So uh, all of these things added up to, to a great Monaco win, for sure. Next on the docket, we have the game between Maccabi and Alba. A Maccabi victory and a bounce back win after their defeat of the delayed game of the round six that we will be getting to after that uh, put face-to-face Maccabi and Real Madrid. This time around, Maccabi was able to win 102-81 against Alba. It was a strong performance and we had predicted that uh, Maccabi probably would have too much firepower for Alba. Alba was able to score 81 points and Procida was the the team best player and he scored 22 points. He continues game after game to affirm himself as an elite player, not only uh, a promise of the European basketball and of the EuroLeague basketball, but a player that is being able to already show some consistency and to play at a very high level. For Maccabi, Wade Baldwin was the, the game MVP and the Maccabi top performer. He ended the game with 18 points on this matchup and he added six assists to his personal account. Were you surprised that uh, Maccabi was able to come out of this game with a 21-point win and uh, with the, the final score of this game? I mean, I, I wasn't surprised. I mean, Alba was, Alba overmatched, was overmatched again. again. Uh, these, are these are just two different tiers of teams. And uh, Alba's best hope is to just be competitive. I, I mean, Maccabi was too much, but uh, I liked what I saw from Gabriel Procida. Uh, he scored 22. He, he keeps improving game after game. So that's been pretty amazing to see. Uh, but Maccabi was able to get a comfortable lead early and, and they just managed the they just managed to control the rest of the game uh, using the rotations, giving everybody a chance. 
I mean, it, it wasn't really, there's not really much story into this game. Uh, Maccabi is just a better team and, and they showed that from the start. And Alba, outside of Porosida, they didn't really have nothing else to, to really step up and to give Maccabi a fight. But uh, as far as Maccabi go, the, these are the games you're supposed to win. So you got to get it done. And, and they did it. So good job from them. But this wasn't really a fair fight. And we know that. Especially Alba dealing with some injuries too. Uh, both Sterling Brown and Matt Thomas have been missing some games. So uh, I thought, obviously, Maccabi was the favorite and a blowout was expected. So no, no, not much history here. We have recapped the game that uh, was the first loss of the season for Real Madrid, and we have recapped Maccabi win over Alba. Let's now travel back in time and let's go to the delayed game of round six that took place on the previous Tuesday that put face-to-face Maccabi and Real Madrid. This was another Real Madrid win, this time around 70-99, to with Walter Tavares being the MVP of the game and being dominant. He ended the game with 19 points, with 8 rebounds, and he just was able to impose himself on this game. We know that Real Madrid just had their first loss, but on this game against Maccabi, they looked once again dominant, didn't they? We talked about it on the preview. Uh, I mean, you, you specifically said uh, this would be a game for Walter Tavares to to really dominate and, and to impose his presence inside, and he did that. I mean, he had 19 points and eight rebounds, and even though Maccabi won the rebounding battle, uh, I believe that's just because they have so many options that they're just going to get rebounds regardless. But whenever Walter Tavares was on the court, he was the best player and the most impactful as well. Uh, Campazzo was good too, and the whole Real Madrid team was good because they made 11 threes and they did a great job guarding the three against Maccabi, who only shot four for 20 from the three-point line. They they forced a lot of turnovers for Maccabi with 15, and then they just moved the ball and get and find open shots. Obviously, Campazzo has a lot to do with that, but they had 29 assists, and they just dominated this game on the road against Maccabi. Uh, Wade Baldwin wasn't able to, to really help Lorenzo a lot, and uh, I think it, in a matchup like this against, if Maccabi plays either... Uh, let's say Real Madrid, Barcelona, Monaco, those top teams, if they don't have both of these guys in the backcourt playing at a high level, it's going to be very hard for them to win because these are the guys who can really change the game and and bring something different into the game. So they really need both these guys to be at a high level. And and even Bonzi Colson wasn't good either. So it was just a dominant performance by Real Madrid. Real Madrid truly is a tough challenge for any other team in this edition of the EuroLeague. A team that we expected to also be challenging to play against was Milano. It's a team that has been struggling with consistency. And in this game against Jalgiris, they lost at home 70-83. A somewhat surprising win by Jalgiris, not because we don't expect them to be able to put up a fight. We know how feisty and how competitive this Jalgiris team can be. But Milan wasn't able to perform and uh, Roland Schmidt and Ulanovas were able to step up, play at a very high level and were key contributors for this win from uh, from Jalgiris. And Milan allowing a team like Jalgiris that is not the strongest team on their inside game. It's a team that usually recurs to uh, small ball lineups and Milano that's one of their strengths, if not their biggest strength, is their front court. They were outscored in second chance points 16 to 9 against the Jalgiris team. And that just shows the lack of fight that would bring that consistency to this uh, Milano team. And that uh, led to this loss. Just when you thought Milano was headed in the right track, they, they had won some games prior to this one. 
uh, and they just fall apart again. Uh, I mean, uh, I'm very confused about this team, man. It's just, uh, I think it was a, a very poor job in, in roster construction, not not as far as talent, but the positions of the players. You just have most of these players playing out of position every time. I mean, it really looks like a mess. But when you have a front court like Milano does, and you lose the re- rebounding battle against Zalgiris, who is probably one of the most small teams in EuroLeague. They they got dominated in the paint, and it's just embarrassing, man. Like, obviously, we have to give credit to Zalgiris because they were very efficient on all three levels. They they played a very good game. They played very good defense. And every time it seemed like Milano was about to make a run, they always responded. I mean, I think there was a time there, like, at the end of the third quarter, where Roland Smith hit two or three straight three-pointers to, to cut Milano's run. So he, he was amazing. This was a great job and win by Zalgiris. But Milano, I'm, I'm worried because that really looks like a mess and it shows no sign of improvement. If you look at their front court, we talk about how many options they have between the three, four, and five position. But they have like seven or eight power forwards. Like they don't have... They don't have a true natural center. They, and then Shields is a small forward. He's playing the two. Mirotic or Voitman are playing the three. Like everybody's just out of position. Like it's so weird because they have so much talent. They have so many options, but they don't, they can't get it right. And it, it's gotten to a point now where it might be too late for them to fix it. Now with Mirotic injury, we will talk about that later. But uh, I mean, it's going to be hard for them to turn it around. Milan certainly needs to look into their roster construction and to be able to make the improvements that will allow them to play up to the level of the talent that they have on this roster. But let's move into another game and a game between one team that has been playing some of the best basketball of the EuroLeague and another team that is a young team that we recognized on them, uh, a high-level talent and a team that uh, in any given night and in any, any any good night that they have might allow them to compete with uh, any opponent on the, this EuroLeague. And I think this was the case, and I think this game showed what we have been talking about, about this Bayern team that beat Virtus 90-76. to They need their veterans to step up and to perform at a high level. And we saw that on this game from Sergi Baca, that was the game MVP and ended the game with 24 points and 13 rebounds. And he played at a very, very high level. And for Virtus, it was a game where they just weren't able to impose themselves and where uh, Bayern was able to be dominant and secure this uh, important 14-point uh, win for them to uh, still aspire to be on the playing fight. They currently rank in 12th place, but they are tied with Partizan that is in 10th place, and they still have that aspiration to keep improving, to keep playing and performing better, and uh, for them to be able to be on the that uh, playing fight at the very least. For Virtus with this loss, they fell to 4th place. They are now tied with Monaco for 3rd place. They they rank now in fourth with seven wins and four losses. But uh, Joke, this was a game where we saw what we have been talking about regarding this Bayern team, wasn't it? I mean, if only this team could be consistent, man. Like that's all I can ask from this team. It's just show us some consistency, and I think they will be uh, an amazing team and a truly a playoff contender because they have the talent for that. They have the coaching for that. Like they have all the pieces. But uh, as far as this game goes. Uh, their rim protection was unbelievable. They had eight blocks and they did a great job uh, guarding the perimeter and guarding the three-point line the, and the paint too. And that goes to the rim protection, of course. They they gave Virtus nothing easy. Like 
in their minds, they were probably saying, if you're going to beat us, you got to go ahead and make those free throws because you're not going to get anything at the rim. And they sent Virtus to the line a lot, but Virtus only shot 66% from the free throw line. So it, it worked out for, for Bayern, but they did a very good job. I think this was probably the best game they've played all season. They were great on both ends of the court and they didn't allow Virtus to impose their play style. They they forced them to, to shot contested shots. They, they missed a lot of threes too. They were not efficient. And we know Virtus is usually a team who moves the ball a lot, who gets quality shots, and they are efficient and have good percentages. And that was not the case today. And I think a lot of that goes to Bayern's, Bayern's defense. So I think they were prepared. I think they executed and they did a great job. So this is an amazing win. Probably a lot of people will have Virtus as the favorites. And Bayern was able to counter that and they had a great win. I just hope they can keep this up because I really like the way this team is constructed. I think they have a, a real chance at being a playoff team. They just got to be consistent. The price of the youth. <laughs> It's a part of the lack of consistency of this Bayern team. They are a high, highly talented team. Uh, it's a team that looks and lacks that consistency at times. Otherwise, in terms of talent, they certainly would be on that mix and would be fighting for the, the playoffs. Let's look into another team that also has been trying to find their consistency, Partizan. And this time around, they were able to get an important home win, 92-87 to 87 against Paratinaikos. Two teams that uh, found that seem to be finding themselves. Paratinaikos clearly did already. Uh, Partizan is starting to give signs of it, as we have been expecting for them. This time around, it took a overtime for Partizan to be able to secure this win, this home win. It was a high-level game, a highly competitive game, a very entertaining game. And several notes about this game. Paratinaikos seemed to have found their guard rotation with Grant, Slokas, and Nan. Those three guards seem to be the dominant, the dominant guards. Marius Grigonis is also a guard, a guard forward. He is the small forward of this team. He has been having to play almost 40 minutes for this team, and he's doing it at a very high level. It will be very interesting to see once uh, Juancho is back, the role that he will have on the, this uh, Paratinaikos team and how he will be playing. And their front court with Mitoglu and Lasort, they are high-level front court. They are uh, two players that complement each other very well, and this is just a a contending team uh, that Paratinagos is. But I believe that Partizan is also a team at that level. They have been reinforced themselves at a very high level. They still are in the market for a point guard that certainly can add to this team. Kevin Potter was extremely important for, for this uh, team. Him being back, we know how much he gives to, to this um, Partizan team. And he showed that late in the game and when the team needed him the most, the MVP of the game was Akladei. He ended the game with the highest PER and he ended the game with 23 points and was a very important player for the for this Partizan team. Kendrick Nunn was the highest scorer and uh, the top performer for the Paratiagos team. And he seems to have settled in and uh, being ready to play at the level that uh, the Paratiagos team expects uh, from him. How did this uh, game evolve and uh, what did it take for Par Partizan to be able to secure this win? Panathinaikos started the game better, and, but I think they did a very poor job closing the first half and, and they lost all the momentum they had built throughout the first quarter and a half. Uh, I think both of these teams played amazing defense in the perimeter on this game. It, it was a low-scoring game at first. Then obviously with the overtime, it, it kind of added up, but... Uh, 
I think both teams did a great job guarding the three, not only contesting the shots, but really closing out and forcing guys to drive because they trust their defenses inside. Both these teams have quality big men. Uh, I think for Panathinaikos now with Mitoglu playing, Lasort and Mitoglu are an elite inside duo. And uh, I think they're a big part of Panathinaikos' success lately. And when you combine that uh, with Kendrick Nunn's scoring boost that they have now, uh, I think it makes this team very elite. But uh, as far as partisan man, a close game. Kevin Punner is back and, and he answered the call. I mean, clutch shot after clutch shot. He, he took over the game and he gave Partizan exactly what they needed and what they were lacking when he was out. So obviously, I, I believe Partizan now with, with, with the guys healthy and with Kaboklo coming in as well, I think he was very important in the fourth quarter and overtime. So I think Partizan's headed in the right direction. They just need to really solidify this group. Uh, being healthy and with Kevin Potter now, uh, another guy who was very important, uh, I'm sorry I forgot to mention, was uh, Danilo Andzukic. He, he gave them very good minutes and, and was very good on the boards with seven or eight rebounds, I believe. So uh, that was a, a very good performance by him on the boards and he helped them a lot. But uh, I mean, at the end, it, it goes to Kevin Potter because he... It's like he didn't do much the first three quarters, but fourth quarter and overtime, the ball went to his hands like it should go, and he delivered. So, great win by Partizan. In my introduction of this game, I spoke about how this uh, Paratinaikos team has been able to find themselves to define who are their top guards with Nance, Lucas and Grant, how Grigonis has been such a high-level player for them and giving them such important small forward minutes, and also how elite their front court is with Mitoglu and uh, with Lasort. My question for you is, how do you see Juancho being able to fit in and adding to this uh, this team? Uh, he lacks a little bit of shot creation, for himself and a little bit of uh, ball handling ability. And I believe for him to really play the three, uh, that would be key for him. Uh, and with Mitoglu and Lasort playing so good, uh, I really don't know how he's going to get back in. I mean, obviously he's going to play, don't, don't get me wrong. He's going to play, he's going to be one of the most high-used players on this team regardless because he's a very good player. But things are working so well now. Uh, so that's why I don't know how we'll fit it back in because they are rolling and Mitoglu is playing at an amazing level. They've had success with these three-guard lineups now with Kendrick Nunn. So I don't know. It, it could be a, it could be hard to, to really match that and, and to make it work, but uh, I think they're going to be fine. They just have the talent. So it's on Coach Adam and now to, to really find the right place to put him in and the right rotations, but uh, I believe he'll be able to do it. I believe that once uh, Juancho is fully recovered, he's such a high-level player, that he will be able to come into this team that is already functioning and be able to add to it. And he's a high-level player. He's a player that can do uh, many things on the court and he will be able to find a way to contribute, to impact the game on a very positive level. And with the team already playing well, it makes the game easier. And I think that will make his adaptation much easier. Next, let's go to a game between two teams that have been inconsistent throughout this season, two teams that have talented rosters and certainly have aspirations to be on the playoff and play in fight, FS and Red Star. FS after this loss ranks, ranks now in 14 in a tie with teams between 10 to 14 with five wins and, and six losses. Red Star with this win uh, is in 16, now tied with uh, Milano with uh, four wins and seven losses. 
These are teams that have been playing better at home than on the road. And this time around, uh, Red Star playing at home were, was able to step up and to be dominant and to get this win with Iago dos Santos maybe having his best EuroLeague games so far and being the MVP of this game, playing at a very, very high level and being able to help Red Star to conquer this win and to impact this win in a positive way. What were for you the keys of this matchup? I think on this matchup here, uh, I don't want to be unfair to Efesh. They they are dealing with a lot of injuries. Uh, even Shane Larkin, who keeps playing, we know he is also dealing with an injury. So this this would always be a hard game to win, even if everybody was healthy, but let alone uh, in the situation that they're in right now. But uh, one thing I do like for Efesh is I think the style of play has definitely changed. They They are shooting a lot more trees and they're shooting it at a very decent clip. So uh, I like what I'm seeing from them. Uh, even though they lost. Uh, they started the game quite well. The first half was was good, was balanced, uh, but they didn't have enough to hang for 40 minutes and, and they got absolutely killed on the boards. So Red Star, like you said, uh, Iago Dushantos had a great game, but they had a lot of guys stepping up and, and performing at a good level. And Nedovic, Mitrovic, like Napier scored seven points and had two assists. So that's supposed to be your best playmaker. And he didn't even need it to have a good game. That just shows how many options this team have. So I think Red Star, they're going to keep winning home games, I believe. But if they don't do it on a road, it's not going to mean much because at the end, it's just not going to be enough to be in the fight for the playoffs. Like You have to win some games on the road because at home, you're obviously going to lose some games as well. You're not going to win every game on at home. So you got to start stealing some games on the road because otherwise it's going to be very hard for them to to be in that top eight or, or top 10 for the play-in. Uh, I do think they have the talent for that, but they, they're still very inconsistent, just like Efesh, just like Bayern. Like These are teams who are kind of in the same tier for me and they just shown a lot of inconsistency and that's the reason why we can't have them as true playoff teams yet, but hopefully they, they all can figure it out and, and get there. We saw this FS team embracing a game style that really suits them and suits the, the roster that they have and maximizes the strengths of their best players. I believe that that was the step that they needed to take. And I do wonder if a player like Elijah Bryant that is able to contribute for them in so many aspects of the game can be the glue piece, can be the complementary piece that will be able to put it all together and to, to bring it uh, for them and to make them to play and to perform in the consistent level that they need to to be able to get the wins that they need to get themselves into the playoff mix. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, obviously, I think he would be very important and he would help a lot. But it's about the rest of the team's health, like you said. Uh, now, if he comes back, now Will Claburn's going to be out and Zizic is out and Shane Larkin. Is he going to keep playing? Is he going to get surgery? Like, there are so many question marks as far as health with this team that we really don't know how good they can really be. But I do think if, if healthy and with Elijah Bryant, uh, I really think they can be a more consistent team because he does bring that, the, that, that role of a glue guy, like... He, he plays defense, he, he hustles every time, and he gets on the boards. He does a lot of the little things for this team. So I definitely think he would be very important for them, for sure. Next, we head to Spain and to a game between two Spanish teams, Valencia and Basconia. Basconia was able to secure the win, 84-98, to 98, with Chima Moneca being the game MVP. And he continues to build on the great season that he's having. And uh, he's one of the leaders of the EuroLeague in PER. 
in a somewhat surprising fashion, but uh, he's playing at a very high level and his energy is one of the the keys and one of the, the reasons why Bascon is able to to overperform what we expected from them. From them. Marcus Howard was the, the top scorer of this game with uh, 24 points. And we have said it, he is clearly their number one option offensively. And when he's able to perform at a high level offensively, the game will be easier for uh, for Basconia. And once again, Cody Miller McIntyre, he's showing to be uh, a great Darius Thompson replacement from last season. We say that he was a somewhat similar type of player. And in this game with 10 assists, he's just showing it has the ability to be a high-level EuroLeague player. And he continues to do it. And in this game, it was a game that we... Didn't expect it and didn't predict it, uh, this uh, high scoring. Uh, for we thought that Valencia will somehow be able to to contain Basconia offense, and uh, it will depend if they will be able to have the firepower to compete with Basconia. That wasn't how the game unrolled, was it? Valencia wasn't Valencia. able to impose their defensive game uh, like they usually are, and uh, this score was uh, a bit unexpected for me. Uh, but the fact is. Uh, they couldn't impose their, their defensive game plan. And even in the first half where they had the lead, Basconi was still being able to score at a high level and the game was still close. So that allowed Basconi to gain confidence and to have that amazing second half. Uh, Valencia keeps being a, a very bad shooting team. And in a game like this, uh, with Basconi's ability to explode, if you shoot 5 for 26 from 3, that's just not going to cut it. And Basconi keeps being a dominant team on the boards. And that's winning them a lot of games. So they've done a great job in that ever since Coach Ivanovic came in. So I like the way Basconia has been playing. I like the way they've been rising in the standings because they've they really done a good job and they've been able to, to hold teams defensively, which is not their characteristic at all. But we, we talked about this before the season started. If they were able to be good enough defensively, we know they can score points. So they would always have a chance. So Valencia not being able to play good defense and struggling shooting the ball the way they did, it's always going to be hard for them to, to win a game. So this is a very important win for Basconia uh, against a, a direct uh, rival because it's another Spanish team. But I think these are two teams who can kind of have the same goals for the season. So it's a very important win in this matchup. To end this recap of round 11 of the EuroLeague, we go over the game between between Barcelona and uh, Asvel. It was a high-scoring game with Barcelona winning 101 to 92. Lapro was once again uh, the most important player for this uh, Barcelona team. He is having a high-level season and he's playing at a very high level for Barcelona. He ended the game with 28 points. For the the visitors for Asvel, Timotel Wakabarot, who ended the game with 20 points and was the team most important player. And more than anything else, it was the their ability to shoot at a high level. That seems to be their new identity. They will be, and they seem to be leaning more and more into taking more three-pointers, and they probably will want to shoot even more than 25 that they did. But more than the volume was the the percentage that they shoot them at. They ended the game shooting at 52% from three. And... We did predict that, that this game wouldn't be an easy one for Barcelona, didn't we? We talked in the preview that this was not going to be an easy game for, for Barcelona because of Asbel's ability to, to score the ball. Uh, but like you said, La Provitla again, man. He, he led the way in another offensive showdown. Uh, both teams combined for 59% from three, which is insane. 
Uh, I think TLC has done an amazing job ever since Coach Pozeco took over and he stepped up and he's been a, a very good player for this team. And as well, they were able to put up a fight and they showed their offensive firepower. If only they could be a bit more solid defensively, maybe they could have done something here in this game. But uh, we called it. I mean, we said it wouldn't. It wasn't going to be an easy game for Barcelona. But the goal, as always, is to come out with a win, and they did that. So, job well done. This brings us to the end of another European Hoops podcast episode. It has been a pleasure, and like we told you guys in the beginning of the this episode, we will be having. Um, new content and more content for you guys starting from January. Stay tuned for the news. We won't reveal them quite yet, but uh, be prepared because we will be doing even more and better. We are proud of what we have created here on the European Hoops podcast. We intend to keep growing it. And of, of course, we need your help and we appreciate every single one of you that have been following us and have been um, tuning in for the podcast. That's the way that we can grow and that we can continue to bring you guys this totally free product that we have a pleasure to to share with you. To do that, please share the podcast with a friend. That's the way that we continue to grow and to reach more people. Subscribe to the podcast and follow us on Twitter at Tito Zero League so you don't miss out on any of our new episodes and you also don't miss out on the news that we'll be having for you guys soon. As always, I'll be talking with you guys real soon. Bye, guys. See you on the next episode.